Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things. And today I have Dylan Kennedy. I also know you as Megan Scenes, but now I find out you're working at this amazing charity. Do you want to tell me a bit more about it? Yeah, well, after the election, I decided you don't really need a fancy title to do great work. So mm-hmm. I've started fundraising for the CNIB. We're trying to get guide dogs free for blind Canadians, um, but they cost $50,000 each. For a dog. Yeah. I mean, they do amazing things, but still, holy smokes. Oh, those dogs are like superheroes. They're smarter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so um, do they have to be like a specific breed? And do you know anything about the training they have to go through? I'm not entirely sure if they need to be a specific breed or not. Okay. And I know I see a lot of labs around. They're smart, mm-hmm. um, but uh, the training is quite extensive, and that's largely why it costs so much. We also bring them in from the United States, so that adds a whole other level of cost. Mm-hmm. So, and how long do you know how long the training for each dog takes? I honestly don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know the price point, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what are some of the things you do, like, to try to raise these funds? Do you have, like, a specific number of dogs you're trying to get, or...? So right now, um, we're trying to train the dogs. So, like, um, we're getting vaccines, food, toys, harnesses, uh, things like that. With um, this whole pandemic and everything, the options for fundraising are pretty limited. So right now, it's a lot of canvassing door-to-door. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're looking forward to expanding it a little bit. Mm, mm. So, um, oh, one thing I didn't also mention is that you're a gay man. Um, and being a queer person in East Coast is something that I'm also working on talking about. Um, and that's why I initially reached out to you. But, like, how is it with the queer community in the East Coast? In the East Coast, um, for most of the province, at least in Nova Scotia, there isn't that much of a queer community. So um, Halifax, Moncton, these bigger cities are sort of like safe havens for the queer community in all of Halifax. So it's very rich here, but um, you go a little bit further out and it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, why do you think that is? Well, there's lots of reasons. And I grew up in rural Nova Scotia. And so we were sort of like the canary in the coal mine for a lot of economic issues we're seeing. So the brain drain in the early 2000s, then the oil boom out west, which took a lot of our working professionals and a lot of smaller communities just kind of became shells of their former self. Mm-mm. Um, and what are some things you think we could do to either reverse that or make it better? There's a lot of, um, people trying to answer that question. I think we need to take better, like, um, acknowledgement of the fact that our leadership does contribute to the problem. So Mm. I look at, uh, Stephen McNeil and, he completely destroyed our film industry, which was a 
it, it was a massive sense of pride, especially in Halifax and mm. all throughout Nova Scotia. Um, that was the industry I was more closely following, but um, the community services sector was also gutted. Um, there's a lot of austerity that took place over the past eight years. Mm. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Was that one of the uh, motivations for you to run for councillor position? Um, in a lot of ways, there were a lot of things that led me to run. Um, I felt that the young um, young professional wasn't really being represented. Young people trying to start out their lives, build a future in Nova Scotia. It is very difficult. Mm. And um, I didn't see people addressing that perspective in leadership. Mm. And what district was it? District District 8. District North 8? End, Halifax. Yeah. Um, and what was the process for you to run? So um, it starts out, you just um, declare your candidacy. So you have, it usually is a regular meeting, but we did a Zoom meeting. Mm. Um, where you just fill out your paperwork, you declare if you want a financial agent or not, and um, then you get your next set of documents where you um, are nominated. So you have to sign, get about 10 signatures from people in the community, mm. and that puts you on the ballot. You have to do a $200 deposit, but... You get a certain percentage back. I got a hundred back, so. <laughs> um, and I really did see a lot of um, my ideas start being taken seriously. I was advocating for a two percent rental increase cap, and that's in the emergency measures. I don't take any credit for that. There was a lot of hard work that went into that, but mm. um, that I feel that some people heard my heard my perspective and agreed with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, buildings are going up in Halifax everywhere. And a friend of mine actually had like a landlord from hell and they just moved. And it's like how they allow some of these landlords get away with some of the things they did. I read of one where the person just took off the door from like the hinges and let the door open. Oh, well, that happened to my brother, too. He was in a very tough spot, like... um. There was, uh, he was divorced, so there was a whole alimony situation, um, and he was between jobs, but um, there was the mortgage moratorium, and the he wasn't allowed to be evicted, so they um, pried his door off, they what the f- started doing inspections over and over and over again to try to drive him out. That and is crazy. Yeah, so right now I'm looking forward to um, April 2021 when there's tentatively supposed to be a provincial election. And um, Lisa Roberts, our MLA for the north end of Halifax, she is really great and she's done a lot of work for tenants' rights Mm -hmm. and she works closely along ACORN. So I definitely recommend everybody sign up for her newsletter and uh, start getting that groundwork for an orange wave. She's so. Have you always been interested in like legislation on governments, like even growing up? Yeah, yeah. I grew up um, in a household of activists. My 
um, mom's done a lot of work for like women escaping domestic violence. My dad was a union organizer. So um, it's definitely an aspect of life that I've always been talking about Mm-mm. and then now now you've run for a counselorship and have this experience is this something you think you'll do again absolutely i'm um trying to keep my eye on 2024 but uh, also focusing on seeing what i can do between now and 2024 mm-hmm. but um it was a really great experience running um it and i definitely feel like I've got a future in politics. Oh, wow. That's great. So let's talk about the charity. How did you get the job? How did that happen? Um, It was a long, arduous job hunt like most people are going through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely lucked out and just went through the interview. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and... So it's like uh, now that you have this job and you're working on trying to get these dogs, are there other things um, that you're working on for, I guess, well, not looking at 2024, but just to make things better in your community? Yeah, so right now, um, I like I said before, I'm trying to keep my eye on these provincial elections. I do have some student loan debt, so unfortunately you won't see me on the ballot there. But um, I definitely am endorsing Lisa Roberts, and I am um, working with her to see how best I can be utilized Mm -hmm. to make sure that um, she stays in office and how I can help um, make all of Halifax NDP. (laughs) Okay, but don't you think that's a monumental task? Absolutely, and I'm just one person <laughs> of many people. With it. Fair enough. But um, definitely trying to do my part. Mm-hmm. So, Megan Scenes, let's talk about her. Um, how did that happen? How did you dis- get into drag? Well, I, got, I used to work at Men's and Molly's, and um, I got into drag just being around so much artistry all of the time. Um, and so started doing pageants, started doing shows and, uh, really grew to love performing. Mm. What do you, uh, well, you love performing, but what aspects of performing do you like? Attention. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, how do you decide, um, your outfits? Um, I generally go to like a thrift store and um, the people at Frenchies and Fairview used to be so great to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they would hold things for me and be like, "This, you, this is great." <laughs> and um, but yeah, I would usually see what kind of is extra loud <laughs> in the um, in the thrift store, yeah. and then I would alter it, see what kind of music works better with it see how I can make the outfit better reflect that Mm -hmm. um most of my drag came from playing with fabrics and things like that so it's 
whatever creative whim I have at a, at whatever time, basically. <laughs> and then, you know, talking about like colors and you know your advocacy. One thing that you also raised when you're running for councilorship was the climate. Why is that important to you? The climate is important to me because it's it should be important to everybody. It's where we live. Our food comes from the ground. Our water comes from the earth. Everything that any ambitions for the future anybody has, any um, opinions on policy or any opinions to have in general is inherently tied to the environment and mm-hmm. its future because if we don't clean up our act, then none of it really is going to matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm, you mentioned something about the waterfront. What was that? Well, um, we just are not doing enough to plan ahead. I have been I have been pleased to see in the annual budget that or the budget survey that we are asking about um, climate preparation. So I think I got my point across there, but um, we need to do, put in some seawalls because um, like right now I'm working in, like on the Northwest Arm and um, near where the Yacht Club is and it's just rock armor there. In 10 years we're gonna see a huge problem with storm surges mm. and it's an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and i guess with what happened with what was the hurricane dorian like that was a sign of possibilities in the future yeah well that was only a what category two mm. um with the way the climate's warming and the different shifts of warm and cold water we're seeing and how drastic they are, we're going to be looking at at least categories threes and fours becoming normal. And our city just is not equipped to handle that. But you look at what recently happened in, was it Toronto or Ottawa, where all of the building materials started raining down from the sky. It's something all of Canada needs to start doing better at. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and what happens if we don't? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, if we don't, on top of the problems we're already seeing, we're going to have flaming bricks <laughs> raining down on us. Um, we don't need to make our physical built environment an yeah. added hazard. Mm. So um, COVID happened. Uh, everything shut down. Uh, but one of the things that came of that is you yourself had uh, COVID scare and you had to take a test. What, what was the process and procedure for that? How did it feel? And Well, our province is actually doing a really great job at this. Um, so I did have to self-isolate and it was really hard because I just started this new job and had to go right into isolation. So that was sad. Mm-hmm. But then I, um, within two days, I got a free cab to the COVID center um, within 10, 20 minutes got my swab and was out. The cab was still waiting for me and I got to go home. Um, 
two to three days later, I got my results. So um, it takes about a week. Everybody is very understanding if you have to take that time. And it, the actual testing is not, it's not a financial burden. It's not a time burden. So, But it sticks on me up your nose, though. Oh, it, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it's not comfortable. But um, I've also got tattoos. So, <laughs> I can't compa- complain a li- about a little scraping action. Oh, so, so like they kind of stick it in and... Oh, oh, oh yeah. It's, um, I didn't believe it. I saw a meme where they... Um, showed how far it goes up your nose and I was like ah this is just more disinformation no they really go way up there past your eyeball <laughs> they're scraping your brain <laughs> how long does it stay up your nose? about three seconds or oh, so okay. so it's enough time that you're like yep this is really uncomfortable but then you feel the relief after yeah 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 uh, and then the test the, the, like the result did it come like in an email or like a yeah letter? it came in an email okay. you give them like the last four digits of your health card mm. and you get your results mm. so do you think I mean now we know that vaccines are coming out in the near future uh but we also have people that don't believe in vaccines (laughs) so what do you think will happen i mean it's depressing but what's going to happen is the same thing that happens with people who are against vaccines they're going to get typhoid (laughs) polio um all these medieval diseases that we thought we've eradicated yeah so there's definitely going to be a subsection of people but i hope it's like seat belts like 61 percent of the population thought seat belts were an affront to freedom and now everybody just shakes their head at that like yeah yeah. deep down we've all got this inherent desire to die horribly in an accident (laughs) and uh we just kind of got to work with that (laughs) yeah but like because and the other thing i think you know like you know we in the u.s the thanksgiving now made the numbers blow up and even with the numbers going up there's still people that don't wear masks and or, or, like, even believe that is a thing. And did you see that, um, I think it was a TikTok of that nurse who was talking about people. On, yeah. No, the one who was talking about people with their masks on, or their, like, um, ventilators and still saying that COVID's not real on what? their dying breath. Holy smokes! It's uh, a death cult. Yeah. That's the only way you can describe that it. That is crazy. So, like, you're dying of what then? Right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's like she was saying that it's heartbreaking because people should be talking to their families and saying their, like, last words. Mm. But they're just filled with hate. That's crazy. That's crazy. But, like, I mean, you have this huge task ahead of you and then you're... I mean, actually, everywhere, you know, for the dogs, for to make it orange, all of Nova Scotia. Um, what are some things you're doing towards that? So right now, I am focusing at home, making sure that uh, Halifax Needham is, uh, is safe. Um, and from there, just 
seeing what I can do, participating more with the, with the actual NDP, joining the party, um, and just being an ally. Um, I'm not expecting to do it single-handedly, but um, just hoping to get people involved. Mm. Well, Dylan, thank you so much for coming and for sharing so much, and um, good luck with everything, really. And thank you for having me. And also, um, thank you for the for inviting me to the Mosaic Film Festival. It was so charming, and uh, definitely everyone should check it out. Yeah, um, it's open for next year, and from what I hear, there are already people submitting, so it's going to be great. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Dylan. Thank you. Have a great day. 